Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. Today on the podcast, we have Patrick Haggerty, who is one of the co-founders of Vogue Fitness with Billy Graham. Um, Patrick and Billy met when they were working at an engineering firm and playing rugby for the Abu Dhabi Harlequins, um, started doing CrossFit, and very shortly started holding boot camps, and in 2014 opened their first gym, Vogue Fitness, CrossFit Yaz, and Yaz Marina. And if you've ever been out there, you've seen people working very, very, very hard, and um, uh, there's a big Emirati contingent at that gym, very loyal following, and their expansion um, was rapid after that. And by um, the onset of COVID, they were, I mean, I'm going to let you you talk about it, Patrick. Uh, where were you at when this all started in, your, in terms of, I mean, you had locations all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we operate 10 locations, uh, two of them are for governmental clients. Uh, so... One of our uh, clients managed to forecast a lot of what was coming and they put measures in before anyone else in the country put them in place. So we were able to get an insight into what was coming pretty early on. And because of that, we were able to plan uh, a lot more effectively knowing what was going to come. Okay, so 10 locations, personal training. You had you were in Ras Al Khaimah, you're in Dubai. How many staff would you have? Like how many trainers and staff? Yeah, so we have over 100 staff across all of our facilities. Um, and yeah, so we have locations in Ras Al Khaimah, Dubai, and Abu Dhabi. And our uh, the bulk of our facilities are in Abu Dhabi currently. And each of them has their own dedicated team of coaches, management, support staff, um, you know, uh, administrative staff. And then we have our HQ as well, which uh, helps with the administration of, of the organization as well. So we have a large staffing base for an independently owned fitness company. And when you say you were able to sort of get ahead, what just walk me through what that was actually like. So we had notifications from one of our government clients that they closed down their health club. And when that happened, it really opened our eyes to the severity of what was going to come. Now, at that point, gyms in the country were still operating in every emirate, and we had a glimpse into, okay, this is serious, and let's start planning now. So our first concern was our staff, uh, and we developed very, uh, very flexible and fair policies on how we were going to manage our team during this pandemic and then we operated our policies based on the on a few principles and one was honest communication so we decided very early on that no one in the world knew what was going on so we just had to be very honest 
in the information that we delivered to our team so that they knew exactly what we knew when we knew it. So that they weren't in the dark and they were always kept up to date with what was going on. So that was one of the principles of uh, how we decided to deal with the pandemic when it first started was honest communication. And I think, I don't know whether a lot of people know if you're not in the fitness world, but a lot of trainers and most trainers around the world, they're like independent contractors, right? They kind of, they're not your staff essentially. Is that, was that how you operated or? So some uh, fitness facilities will contract out services. We in-house absolutely everything. So we don't allow any third parties to operate in our facilities because that gives us better quality control. We select every individual that comes into our facility, into our team. So we have very high standards. Uh, so we don't contract out any services. So all of our staff are full-time staff, you know, under our visas, medical insurance, and, and payroll. So we, our team is our, our team. Oh, good. Okay. So have you had, you've had, obviously, have you had to lay people off? So we, we've made very, uh, in the policy formulation, we made very clear guidelines. And part of that guidelines were that anyone that was with us would not be terminated. So we did our first review of the organization. Um, and then anyone that was on the brink of not performing, um, was uh, not carried through the pandemic um, and that resulted in only being one person essentially okay. so it, you will be guaranteed your job with us and we will work out how that will happen but you're in our team unless you choose otherwise okay are you, are you able to pay them like while they're here yeah so we we've, we've come up with very um flexible arrangements with our staffs and uh, we've had to really assess how we can carry our team through throughout this. So we developed a range of policies and formulas. Also at the start, we opened up budgetary tools that we developed uh, and we encouraged all of our staff to undertake the budgetary tools um, because things like the, their, their personal training services um, couldn't be delivered in facilities, for example, um, but they could be delivered electronically. So. Uh, we encouraged our staff to uh, perform uh, a budget analysis because we said this is a difficult time that's coming up. We've been ordered by the government to close all of our facilities and that's there's there's no ifs, ands or buts around that. So let's plan and let's prepare. And we made sure that we will plan well into the end of June um, from back in March. So that that's the plan and the and the roadmap that we that we delivered to all of our staff. How personally, like you and Billy, how are you personally handling it? Because this is just like, un, you know, unforeseen. There's you could probably never have thought that the gyms are going to have to close. Of all the business scenarios, you yeah. guys, you know, all these expansion, all when you set out, this would you'd never imagine this, right? So how were you just sort of processing it emotionally? Like how are you handling it? Yeah. So we've uh, when, when this happened. We identified it very, very early on as an opportunity. So we were like, okay, let's make the most of this. And we, one of our core values is hard work. And when COVID hit, um, since COVID, since we closed our first facility on March the 8th, uh, I've taken three days off work. That includes Fridays and Saturdays. So I've, I've had three days off since March 8th. 
because uh, my attitude and Billy's attitude is this is an opportunity. Let's work hard and let's prevail uh, ahead of uh, everyone else when it when the reopen occurs. So we've been day in day out dedicating uh, every allowable hour to making our our organization better. And that's involved having meetings with leading business experts in the region uh, and listening to their journey, listening to how they uh, how they created their success and uh, and learning from these people during this opportunity. We would never have had the time to do these things otherwise. Um, and very early on, we identified the things that we've wanted to do for years now. And we're like, okay, now's the time we can get them done. Uh, and we've been able to take apart our organization so that when we open, we open with the reset. We're going to open uh, significantly better. We're going to have a lot more clear direction. Uh, and we're going to have our, our team that has stuck, uh, stuck together during this emerging a lot closer and a lot stronger together. Okay. So during, how did you pivot right when it was happening? Like online, I think you're, you've, you've got into equipment, I think as well. I've heard, are those things you wanted to do all along or? Yes. So we've always been very active on the innovation front and the tech front. Um, so we had decided from the start that we didn't want to do Instagram coaching. Um, that was uh, an organizational decision, which we felt was very important because there was a lot of, uh, stuff on Instagram and if the quality was not where it needed to be, the, the, the consistency was low. Uh, so we decided to use our broadcasting abilities. So we've done things in the past where we've run events where we've built a broadcasting capacity. Right. So we, we use our broadcasting to shoot through, you know, professional cameras with uh, our coaches microphoned up um, and broadcast that through YouTube so that uh, you can do them at home and have them on a smart TV. And so you get a, a better experience. And we have the live, uh, the live chat. So our, our members that are doing the, uh, the classes, they comment in any questions, they drop in their scores. Uh, we do the full hour long session from uh, warm up uh, to the different parts of the class until the cool down. So we run through the entire experience of a class rather than um, uh, someone just standing in front of Instagram and saying, we're going to do this and you know, it's a bit grainy. And yeah. um, we went for a, a high quality production instead. And so I that was one of the Sorry, I heard one of the, I heard one complaint about a lot of those online free workouts was form wasn't great. Like some of the, you know, I think people were getting injured at home from some of the, some of those workouts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, there's always potential for that. So what we decided was we have a, a, a team of uh, six people uh, that work uh, on broadcasts uh, between six seven people, and that uh, is all isolated, socially distanced. Uh, in studios and, uh, and and broadcasting across, so that we can have a coach and two of our other coaches doing the demonstration and the workout. Uh, we also have we overlay the workout onto the screen, 
um, so that you can see the workout. If you, if, you, if you forget something, you can look up and you can know what the workout is. So we've got the graphics on there. We have also run the timer on there so you can always be looking and knowing where you're at in terms of time. Uh, and you can compete and be involved with, uh, with us while we do the workout. So it's more about uh, that electronic community. We have some of our members that put the, the workout on their smart TVs at home and then they set up their laptop where they zoom each other. Ah. So they'll, yeah, they all do in the class together and they've all got each other on their computer. So it's, it's you know, like how people have uh, adopted and taken this on board has been uh, amazing. It's been unreal. And are you able to charge for that? Like, can you make money doing that or is that off something you offer? So that's something that we decided to offer free for our community uh, and also for anyone that wanted access to, uh, you know, like a quality class. So that was something that we decided from the start would be a free service designed at engaging people in maintaining their health and fitness during the pandemic. So that was, uh, that was it's completely free. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, it goes live every weekday at 5.30 during Ramadan. Uh, it's open to absolutely everyone. We have people tuning in from the USA, from the UK, from Canada, uh, all over the world. People are tuning in and getting involved in the workout uh, and dropping their scores in the comments. And so we have a commentary team that talks to everyone commenting during the session as well. So you have the coaches coaching mic'd up and you have, uh, you have the commentary team in the studio commentating and answering questions in real time. Uh, so it's a very, very different experience to uh, say Instagram Live was. How many people would you say from your members, like what percent, is there a percentage of people that you were able to carry online? Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, usually we get anywhere between four and 800 people usually on uh, being involved in the class. Um, so, you know, we've been out and we 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 don't know who most people are unless they comment in and say hello. So we have a lot of our members commenting in and saying, hey, we always make sure that we uh, we interact with anyone that drops in the live comments. Uh, so we've been, hopefully a lot of them, you know, we've been able to engage a lot of our community uh, with, with these workouts. Well, you told me, I've spoken to you before and you told me that, I think, I think you said um, one of the reasons you think you were so, did so well is that you sort of were ahead of the curve of the gym as the social hub. Like you couldn't find people to hang out with when you were um, playing rugby, like that were like-minded and healthy and whatever, not they were like a loner, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like that, you know, cause now the gym is like the new nightclub, which is what's kind of sad about COVID the whole, the whole coronavirus situation is that people had who hadn't found, you know, they didn't want to go to bars and they didn't want to hang out in nightclubs had found this thing. And then now this thing has been so impacted. Like, um, mm. That is one of those things. Do you think moving forward, like you guys can get, well, like moving yeah. forward, because you said, you said you're working on reintegration this week. So I'm just sort of wondering how you see that all unfolding. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're exactly right with what you said. Um, when, when I, I've lived before moving to the mid, uh, Middle East, I lived in Asia. Uh, I moved there from Australia. And the first thing I did was join a rugby club because that was my sport at the time and I met people and I was new in the country and I met friends uh, and in the UAE I did the same I joined the Abu Dhabi Harlequins um, so we decided that when we when we would 
building Vogue Fitness that we wanted it to be a place where anyone could come and they felt welcome and they felt like they were part of the team. And so that that was very important to us um, from the start. Now, moving forward post-COVID, yeah, the community is, is very strong, but now it's an issue of balancing people's comfort uh, and uh, you know reservations against uh, coming to a facility to train. So that's where the reintegration is going to come. Now we, we've we've set a, a three phase approach to our reopening so that we can do it gradually, uh, we can do it safely, uh, and we can provide an environment that people feel comfortable in training. So our phase one is our uh, basically it's a, a very strict hygiene cleaning policy uh, coupled with the social distancing measures uh, coupled with uh, reformatted programming so what we do in the classes uh, the, the touch points um, the coaching the briefing the every aspect of the experience we want to keep the that experience there while having a completely safe environment for people to train so I think as people see the steps that we're taking, they will feel more comfortable in returning um, because this whole pandemic has highlighted the importance of cardiovascular respiratory health. And um, that is everyone's first and biggest line of defense uh, against this. And that's why we're waiting to reopen because we, we know it is the single most important factor in developing an immune system to fight off infection. Right. You know, your fitness is your best defense. So does it concern you a little bit when the fear, the hunkering down in the house and the not, you know, that a lot of people are doing this, I guess that concerns you as well. It, so we, we really are providing what we can do to keep people fit and keep them active uh, you know, we, we have free body weight workouts on our Instagram that we publish every morning. People that just want to do a, a workout, read it off the screen and then go. Um, we have, uh, uh, you know, our coaches engaged in training, Zoom training uh, with their clients. And so the difficulty is when everyone's locked inside, um, if you listen to some of the leading immunologists in the world, the, when people are isolated, that their immune system drops because they're not exposed to the everyday flora that uh, that will enter their body to help their immune system ticking over. So as we're isolated, our immune system actually drops. Now, if we allow our immune system to drop and we don't train our cardiovascular respiratory system, then on the reopening, uh, there's going to be a range of um, health issues. So us constantly trying to drive a message of just do something, keep yeah. keep active, you know, yeah. keep active. It's very important because in isolation, uh, motivation can be very difficult, very very difficult. Um, you know, like and training at home. Some people just like, man, it's my home. I'm already having to work here. I don't want this to be my gym as well. Completely understand that. Uh, so we're saying like, fine, and, and you know, if it's not us, it's not us, no issues. You need to find something that you enjoy, something that you can stick to and make it part of your routine. 
uh, you know, one of the big dietary advices that we've given um, uh, some of our governmental clients is to structure your eating routine. Because if you're working from home, it's easy to go into the fridge. You know, so if you can say, okay, I'm going to have uh, five meals per day and I'm going to have breakfast at seven. I'm going to have a snack at 1030. I'm going to have lunch, you know, one. I'm going to have an afternoon snack at 3.30. I'm going to have dinner at 6. And you can stick to those. You cut out a lot of the snacking uh, and a lot of the excessive consumption that comes with the convenience of working from home. So that uh, self-discipline and, and providing structure into that day is very important. And if you can overlay training in and nutritional structure in your day, uh, you're going to feel better physically, uh, mentally. You're going to be happier. Uh, and when we reopen, uh, the, when the society reopens, you're going to be well positioned. Do you have any um, indication of when gyms might be looking to this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get up this on a daily. But yeah, this, is, this is the daily question. Heard of that uh, <laughs> we, we, we can only go off, uh, you know, government information. So government information is released to everyone at the same time. Uh, so, you know, what they've done with the malls where they gave them a bit of advanced warning to say, okay, on Thursday, we will be reopening here at the guidelines. Um, what we've tried to do is take a proactive approach. So we've written uh, a very, very comprehensive document to our team, which is, I think, about a 20-page document on all of our reopening. Uh, and we're doing all of our intensive training on reopening, so what it's going to look like the experience that we're going to deliver, how that's going to work, and um, providing that environment for our members. So all we can do is be as best prepared as possible. And then when the government says you can open, then we're, we're ready to open. And we're not only are we ready to open, we're ready to open very safely. Uh, I think last week there was a document that went around by reps. Um, they oversee, uh, I guess, training accreditation. Um, they're an international organization and they talked about 30% and I, I've heard a lot of sort of doomsdaying about this, but 30% gloves, masks in the gym. Can you see those things happening and working? Yep. So, uh, the reps, are like they're a professional accreditation body and, uh, they've issued guidelines that are pretty much in line with international standards that, that is occurring. Um, now, every facility is different. So their suggestions might apply to some facilities where they might not apply to others. So for example, in our phase one reopening, our classes go 45 minutes, which gives us a 15 minute period to sanitize uh, completely, you know, have the area ready for the next class. It then avoids class crossover and limits people interaction. Um, so we've broken our, our blocks down into 45 minutes training, 15, minutes cleaning we've increased our cleaning staff significantly um, and we're doing retraining with them on a daily basis they're in our facilities cleaning them on a daily basis getting them ready so the reps gave a, a sort of guidance we've taken that as just a part of what we're doing so our guidelines are significantly more comprehensive because we address things like uh, in phase one it's feet on the floor so there's no touching on the floor with your hands, for ah. example. 
that means that there's no such thing as burpees or push-ups. <laughs> uh, everyone's like, yeah, no burpees. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've, we've gone down to the levels of what we can do and what we can't do. Like no tape is allowed on equipment. The chalk is not allowed in classes until phase three. Um, so we've written a phase-by-phase, -phase, very detailed breakdown um, of, um, of the steps that we're taking. And we're actually making that publicly available. Uh, on, you know, the parts that are internal to our staff, we're making all the guidelines available online so that any other facility can adopt these as best practice if, if they want a, a guide on um, on reopening safely. So we've we've put a lot of research, we've had a lot of management meetings on the best way to do this, and we've put a lot of effort and time into it. So we, we wanted to benchmark the fitness industry. What would you say to some of these smaller studios, you know, yoga studios and fitness studios who may actually be pondering not reopening just because if you've already been closed down for two months or maybe more, and then you can only open at 30% and your rent is so-and-so like, do you have any sort of guidance for them when you've been, you know, strong for so long? Yeah. So, uh, there was, there's a budget airline called Ryanair, uh, and the CEO was, uh, Mick O'Leary, uh, and he said, look, he said, airline operates on 3 to 5% margin. And when the government says, I've got to take out my middle seat, I can't fly planes. I lose money every time I fly a plane, he says. Now, that just means that on a plane, you've got a certain amount of seats. Now, uh, if he can't fill those seats, his aircraft uh, can't be solved. So it's... It makes sense for him to keep his aircraft on the ground. Now, when that happens, it means that none of his staff are at work. So, you know, that's that's not good for anyone, really. So when a fitness companies that work on classes but said, okay, you can open with 50% of your capacity, uh, that might mean that, uh, that they have to open um, and they can't cover costs. Now... Uh, you know, it's very simple economics. When a business can't cover their cost, the business won't be open. So, um, the the longer the restrictions are in place on class based fitness, the more the industry will struggle to get back to speed. So, I think, for example, like a yoga studio, if you could have uh, 20 people in a class and the government says you're allowed 10, um, how long will that go for? Because that's then a question of simple economics. You know, we need, if they need 15 people in a class to break even, then uh, it costs them every time they run a class. Now it's only a matter of time before the inevitable will happen there and they're not able to operate. You know, and if their landlord's not willing to uh, come to the party, then it's only a matter of time before that business will close altogether. In that scenario, you've got uh, the business losing, you've got all the staff that work for that company losing, and you've got the landlord losing. So it's it's really a, a, a really a lose lose situation if a business can't operate and be financially solvent. Um, so that is going to be a big concern of uh, the fitness industry. How long will the restrictions? be in place uh, and you know some operators will go is it worth me opening uh, the second the second element to that to a lot of fitness 
uh, you know, independent fitness companies will say, well, uh, our staff are out of the country and uh, flights aren't coming back. Or if they are, you've got a 14-day um, self-isolation period. And that just means that if they were told that they could go ahead and there are flights for those people to come back, they're still usually two to three weeks off being able to open as well. Um, and there's no way around that. You know, the whole world does the, the self-isolation of travel. So there's, you know, that's just a reality that everyone has to plan for. Um, but in terms of economics, that's going to affect that, say, yoga studio from opening for another three weeks. Um, and, you know, if the, if the landlord's charging them rent, then, you know, it's going to be increasingly more difficult. And the so, Oh, sorry, there, there's the expense of testing your staff to make sure that they don't have coronavirus, right? Like that is something else that has to be done. Yes, so uh, the tests are about 350 dirhams per test. Um, and, you know, we've put them as a mandatory requirement, uh, you know, so that, again, providing a safe training environment for our members involves our staff being tested and retested. The testing is expensive. And, uh, you know, when, when you roll that out across, you know, any organization rolls that out across a large staff base, that can, that can really add up. Um, in terms of the limiting of classes, so you've got, you've got different types of fitness. Now, just say you've got um, a big box gym, like a big, big gym in, in a mall, uh, you know, that can comfortably fit 300 people because it's all machine-based. They might never really hit more than fifty percent capacity. Um, so when 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 you lump the fitness industry as one thing, saying okay, everyone can only open fifty percent, that will affect some people and won't affect others. So I think you know a, a smart thing to do would to be drilled down and to say okay, class based fitnesses can do this if you have X amount of square meters per participant. You know, for for me that would be a logical approach. Because you can go into, say, one of uh, our classes, and we cap our classes very low so that we can keep our coaching quality high. Um, so if we've got, if we've got uh, at full capacity, if we've got eight square meters uh, per participant, um, you know, like, do, do they need 16? And you only need to walk into a supermarket or an IKEA and, and walk around with the hundreds of other people to say, Okay, and we'll go into a, you, you know, is it worth limiting class fitness if you can, if you can provide them a certain amount of space? Um, so I think a square metered approach and people within square meter zones would be a logical way to, uh, to guide the fitness industry on class base on how to reopen. And do you think, I mean, I now, I would have been one of those people that said, I can't work out at home. It's where I work. It's I, I don't want and where I relax. I don't want to work out. Well, I now have a refurbished spin bike and a mini trampoline and weights. And I, yeah. I, I guess what? I can work out at home and it saves me time. So I think I will be spending less money on classes. Do you think you're going to get, like, lose some people who have discovered that too for themselves? Or do you think they're going to, you know, want to run back and see all their friends? Yeah. I mean, you got to. So one view that we've always had on fitness is that it's, it's a pie that is growing. Um, you know, so whenever another gym opens up or anything like that, our, our view has always been that fitness is, is growing. Now, the more, our view has always been 
and always will be, the more people that do fitness, the better. Now, if people, if, if their habits aren't to train at home, then that's fantastic. And we will potentially look at ways of providing and delivering electronic services into your home. Sort of like we're doing now for free. Um, and that, that is simply with uh, any industry in the world. Uh, you know, if, if the, the habits of members change, then it's up to uh, companies to adjust to that. So that is something that is potential. Uh, we also see that if you want to go to, say, a typical uh, gym with machinery and equipment, uh, that's just you sitting on a treadmill or you, you know, uh, sitting on, on, on some cardio equipment, some people will tend to train at home for that. Uh, with what we do, it's very coach intensive um, and it's very community driven. And that, it's like, um, I guess it's like uh, playing golf, uh, you know, having a little putting green at home, you know, the little mats that you get on the floor and, uh, and, going, on, and going on the golf course. It's like two very different things. It's still, Putting or you know, it's but it's a different experience. And what we provide and uh, what we continually aim to do is to provide that experience and improve and you know and add value to that experience. You're selling equipment now, is that right? You've, you're make, making and selling equipment, or you've taken how? What's yeah. going on there? Yeah. So one of the things that we first identified during the pandemic was we've wanted to move into equipment uh, retail for a long time now. I think since 2016, we set up our initial agreements with Paramex for delivery. It's been a long time coming. Uh, and what we did uh, over the years as well is we've worked with manufacturers. We've had uh, custom design stuff. We've, uh, we've tested it all. Then after that, we opened up one of our facilities with that equipment to really test it, to bash it around, to have lots of people throwing it up and down, slamming it into the floor. Um, to test it and so uh, we've been developing that for years now and when uh, we had aimed to launch that towards December this year or like January February next year as part of our planning so uh, when we had the time we're like okay now's the perfect time to accelerate that timeline and we felt that, that was important because we found that the equipment supply in the country was limited um, and that people were taking advantage of, uh, particularly like our members who we talk to all the time still, were like, why, why is equipment so expensive? This is a ripoff. Something that was 4,000 dirhams now 7,000 dirhams. And, and people really, really took advantage. So what we did was, okay, we're going to be better priced than them. Uh, and then we're going to say, we're going to give you a massive discount if you pre-order with us right. and I think that forced a lot of other people in that sphere to offer fair pricing okay. and, and stop the gouging. We were like, just like people are just taking advantage here and we're like, this is a, this is not right. So we, we brought forward that and, uh, and launched that, um, last Saturday. Okay. Uh, and it's been very, very well received. You know, people have got incredibly well-priced quality equipment. Um, and one of the, the reasons why we want to open it back from 2016 is 
every time we've gone to order our equipment, it's it's a nightmare sometimes. Wow. You know, because we ship it in from the USA, uh, we we do all that, and it can take five months. Uh, and we we've we've set our platform up uh, so from July uh, from the end of July, we're going to have next day delivery on equipment. So you go on our website, it's it's well priced, and you get it the next day. Wow. Um, so that's we we didn't really find that anyone was offering that service to the level that we thought um, that it could be offered at, and we've we've set with those principles that our pricing will be better, our quality will be as good as you get in our facilities, and you'll get it the next day, and it's going to be a super simple process. Okay, cool. So you can get your fitness equipment from Vogue Fitness. Yeah. I have one question for you. We're we're going to get near our time, but um. When you talked about the flora and the immunologists and what people are saying is being around people actually makes you healthier. I wondered what your thought was on working out with face masks on. There's uh, sort of all over the place on the face masks and I know all, everyone's wearing them, but do you have any opinions? I have, uh, yeah, I have. So anytime I form an opinion, I try and do it based on uh, statistical fact and the, from experts in the industry. So. There's a lot of conflicting information. Um, one of our government clients is Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi. Yep. And we work very closely with Cleveland Clinic on their fitness services. And they're absolutely fan fantastic. Um, they've helped lead the, the nation in, in terms of testing um, uh, procedures and processes and, and things like that. Uh, and they've been amazing through this. And uh, Cleveland Clinic Ohio issued articles based on face masks. The World Health Organization is issuing different stuff. So um, it, uh, it's very confusing. So our stance is very simple. Our stance is we will follow every governmental guideline that is issued. Okay. <laughs> now, the practicality of training with the mask is something different to the, the health uh, reasons behind wearing a mask. The practicality of wearing a mask can be to restrict breathing, which uh, is not ideal, uh, particularly when you elevate your heart rate uh, and you increase your oxygen requirements. So uh, re restricting breathing is uh, is a difficulty and an impractical aspect of wearing a mask or training. But for now, if it's a guideline, you follow. If it's a guideline, we're 100% committed to adhering to every single guideline that the UAE issues. Okay. Well, listen, thank, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, it's really great to talk to you and I'll be, we'll all be watching and seeing what you're doing in the weeks and months ahead and fingers crossed it's not too long. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, Anne-Marie, and uh, thank you for the invitation uh, for livehealthy.ae. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.